listening to the Series Adam Movies. My name's Colin on the C. Joining me is Zijan the Z. Hello, Zijan. So, Colin, um, I came home one day from work. Oh, yes. And discovered a surprise package waiting for me. Did you... Uh, is, is it your birthday, Zijan? Is it, is it... No, not yet. Not yet. Stop, stop sounding so gleeful. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds like the kind of thing a, a thoughtful podcast co-host might have got you. Yeah, you did. Um, I got something to put on my microphone, apparently. To make it sound less. Um, so it's called, it's called a pop filter. Um, I don't know about about you listeners, um, <laughs> but we've we've one or two people have said um, we need a pop filter. I think I think the first time we got to someone telling us we need pop filters was about a hundred episodes ago, um, and I've had one since about then. Um, <laughs> Zijan, you now have one, a special gift from your your podcast co-host. Wow. Well, we'll see how it works now. Um, I, I'm not too sure. Is it so? Is, it doesn't really fit properly on the mic, but doesn't it fit? My fits on just about, just about. Um, well, it's you doing the editing this time round, Colin. So, so I'll you find can tell out, me how it feels like. I'll find out if it sounds different. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm just because as we as we know every year, Zijan, your birthday is some considerable time before mine, uh, so it must be just around the corner. Soon. Very soon. One more month, to be exact. Okay. Um, and then, of course, I'll be a year younger than you. That's how time works. Yes, um, <laughs> exactly. You can do the next Christopher Nolan film. Now, you remember, Tijan, when we were young men, probably in our early 20s, when The New Mutants was first supposed to come out? <laughs> uh, well, it's come out. We're going to talk about it in this episode. Uh, we're also going in to do cinemas as well, no less. Flipping cinemas. You, know, you remember those? Yeah, I know. Um, Back in um, our days. I mean, I know we went to one for our last podcast. Uh, Tenet. Uh, we're doing a quiz on Alejandro Inarritu. That's not how you pronounce that. Um, some Spanish there. Spanish-ish. Well, <laughs> uh, Mexican, I guess. Um, anyhow, and uh, of course, we are talking about the... I say, of course. We're talking about the, the great Ziegfeld um, at some point. Which we passed on last time. Which we missed out last time because we had so much to say about DC fandom. Uh, but we start as we always do with the news. Zijan, what's going on in the world of movie news? Well, given the amount of uh, news we had last week, uh, mm. this week seems pretty barren in comparison. It's a bit quiet, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Big, big departing. Even the news that I want to give are not really that interesting unless. Brilliant. Um, Gather around, everyone. <laughs> Gather around to the scenes of the movies where we cover not interesting news. <laughs> well, I, I, unless you're particularly interested in this particular film. Okay. In yes. the first one uh, is a film called Dear Evan Hansen, which I mentioned before on oh, this yes. podcast, which is about it's a musical, very, isn't it? A musical, yeah, a musical. very very popular musical, um, Tony Award winning musical. Amy Adams is set to star in the movie oh, yeah. adaptation of Dear Evan Hansen as one of the mothers. One of the mothers. Yes. <laughs> just just to be clear, uh, Dear Evan Hansen is about a teenage boy who who sees another teenage boy committing suicide, and you know. So you look at his mother and the other boy's mother as well. Okay. Point of view as well. So two mothers. Two mothers. And I, well, there's some uh, loud traffic outside your house. Yes, it is very close to that. Uh, well, we'll see how this Bob thing will work. <laughs> Can you filter sure, out traffic? I'm not sure that's what it's for. <laughs> <laughs> um, it only filters out particularly poppy traffic. Um, uh, Amy Adams, I'm trying to think the last time she did a musical, was it? Has she done one since Enchanted? Probably not. Yeah, hmm. not since Enchanted. I love her Enchanted, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. So it's been a while. Okay. Um, you recall, Zijan, uh, an episode or two ago, or three or four, 
you you gave us the hit, exciting news that Courtney Cox is returning for Screen 5 and I asked the question <laughs> that everyone was asking is Nev Campbell coming back and you said you don't know yes she's back she's coming back she's confirmed uh, she'll be playing Sydney what her name is Sydney Prescott Sydney something Sydney Prescott yeah um which I believe she was in all four previous screams, and she's not, she's not keeping that busy. If I'm honest, Nev Campbell, she was in that skyscraper film with The Rock, um, and I don't know what else she's been recently, but there she's back for that one. Well done, Nev. Cool, and I think uh, Jack Quaid, uh, son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan, is also uh, joining the cast. Yeah, good lad. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. the Quaid family was uh, was still expanding in the acting world. R- Randy well, Quaid must be related in some way, right? Nah, you if you see the Amazon TV series The Boys, which is about a bunch oh, yeah. of superheroes going rogue, um, he's one of them. He's one of the main characters. He's a boy, is he? He is one of the boys. Yes. Fine. What do you plan to do on Christmas Day, twenty twenty, Zijan? I plan to be in Malaysia. Okay. Um, do you plan to be watching Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, which has now been pushed back to Christmas Day? Um, you know, at the rate America is going, this we'll never see Wonder Woman. We may well never see it. It's um, it's probably been pushed back as many times as New Mutants has now, actually, because it was supposed to be late 2019 originally, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Or maybe October 2020. And then they made this big song and dance part. It's a summer film, just like we always wanted. We were really happy that it's in June. And then, obviously, COVID struck. But um, in America, if you're uh, listening from America, you're, you're not doing too well on this COVID thing. Um, um, so your cinemas are not opening with the same abandon that ours are although in fact we're not doing too well at the moment either so uh, they might shut again, who knows uh, but now is not the time to release your uh, billion dollar movie no, but it's really annoying though given that you know we've already scheduled it in our podcast we've already put it in our spreadsheet I know, why didn't they think of us <laughs> when they decided to postpone this I can't change a spreadsheet <sighs> it's impossible <laughs> Don't worry, uh, listeners, we are even off air before this. We were discussing what we might do instead. We, Death on the Nile. We might go and see a different Gal Gadot film. We uh, love Gal Gadot. We love Gal Gadot. I've seen all her films, except I don't think I've seen any except Wonder Woman and Justice League. <laughs> I don't think what else she's been in. She's been in Fast and Furious, which I haven't seen. No, me neither. Oh, she was in Racket Ralph 2. Was she really? Yeah, she was. Did you see it? I saw Rocky Ralph There you too. go. World's biggest Sky Godot fan right here. Exactly. <laughs> um, and speaking about quarantine and lockdown, right. Anne Hathaway is in final talks with Doug Lyman on his film Lockdown. Is this a film about COVID? It is a film about a heist okay. mixed with comedy set during the heavier lockdown phase of the pandemic. Oh... <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure that's something anyone wants to happen, is it? I, d- I have no idea. Not, I don't really want lock. I mean, I, I kind Do of. Do we want to leave ho- lockdown to watch a film about lockdown? Well, that's it. I mean, I kind of get. Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of get the um, almost kind of lockdown as a metaphor. All these metaphors for lockdown. So, so films where people are in tight spaces or can't get out or whatever. It's been like after. After 9-11, there are a lot of films about terrorism and, and things like things like The Dark Knight is described as a post-9-11 superhero film. But films that actually literally about 9-11 didn't do well and, and no, no one didn't. wants to think about it. Um, so no, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. Sorry, Anne. Well, it's not her first foray in a comedic heist anyway. She was in Ocean's 8 and she was also in the film with Rebel Wilson. 
Which I can't remember what name was. Oh, the the yes, the one that was a remake of Dirty Wooden Scoundrels. Hmm. So this will be. Well, I'm not sure either those films heist. were comedic, uh, but maybe they were supposed to be. I got him, Zijan. I got him. I insulted films like only one of which I've seen. Yes. <laughs> uh, and there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, Except postponing it and okay. our calendar. Uh, yes, they can ruin my spreadsheet once again. Um, this uh, Borat 2 is being made. Uh, I never saw the first Borat and I don't want to, so, but there you go. For those who do and did and will, that's happening. Um, it's odd though, like the, these Borat films and all the Ali G films and Sasha Baron Cohen films depend on the fact that people do not know his characters, you know, and put into like bizarre situations when, you know, people do not know that it's an act yeah. um, and see yeah. how they react to it. But surely, surely people are caught on to his act by now, especially a well-established character like Borat. Yeah, uh, yeah. so either you fake it or you just find people who've never been to the cinema. I remember because the Ali G TV show, I remember, was big when I was in school. And uh, yeah, the increasingly scraping the barrel in terms of trying to find minor celebrities who'd never heard of him. Exactly, that's the thing. Yeah. Because his, his act is all depending on people not knowing the absurdity absurd characters he has so. although I suppose it depends where in the world you go maybe Borat has never hit yeah. uh, I don't know Peru or something you just go there no, that's true that's true what next <laughs> <laughs> my, my my small list of okay. news uh, there's more Netflix and Ryan Reynolds news um, they're teaming up a lot more this time around there's a film called Upstate that's coming up oh, yeah. which is reuniting Ryan Reynolds and director John August John August wrote Big Fish and Aladdin, the new Aladdin. Uh, it's meant to be an original comedy. What are they um, reuniting? What did they do before? Uh, I read about that, but I forgot to put it down. Fine, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably, let's, let's say the film Buried. It could have been that, couldn't it? No, it's not Buried. It's, oh. not buried. it's, more, it's definitely not as memorable as Buried. I actually remember Buried. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I'm not going to... I'm trying to think of Ryan Reynolds' films. Um, that one he did with that road trip. Okay, that one, yes. That's exactly the one. That one. There you go. Um, a couple of minor things. Uh, so we're getting a new editor of Godfather 3 from Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Um, which... I've not actually. I've not even seen Godfather Two. I've got it on DVD, but I lent it to someone. And uh, well, you're familiar. Was it me? It's not you, although you're familiar. You're familiar not with the content of your not DVDs. returning DVDs. <laughs> um, uh, no, someone else. But uh, I've had it for years and not watched it. But Godfather Three, Francis Ford Coppola is redoing. Um, a couple of. Other, I'll just run through a few small things if that's right. Um, so Ray uh, in Star Wars, Daisy Ridley has been uh, interviewed, and she said that originally the plan that she was going to be related to Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, thank God. No. Um, and then they said, let's say she's the granddaughter of the Emperor instead. So um, that uh. both pretty bad ways of going, but there you go. Uh, and there's been some great footage online of Tom Cruise motorcycling into a canyon. Have you seen this? Nope. No, it's, it's for the next Mission Impossible. Um, so there's a huge ramp, and he's just kind of... I think Chris McQuarrie put the picture of this ramp onto on Instagram or something, but someone has captured footage of Tom Cruise. Just, he's, he's riding a motorbike on just up this ramp and into the canyon and then the parachute goes and it looks awesome. Uh, I'm not sure if that counts as moving news, but it's something to look forward to in Mission Impossible 7 or maybe 8. Which will be coming out sometime. Uh, sometime in the late uh, 21st century. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, have you got anything else? No. Uh, 
I do have I do have one more thing which might actually uh, be a bit more interesting. So the Oscars are changing their rules, Zijan. Have you seen this? Oh yes. So from twenty twenty four, I think it was, uh, to be eligible for the best picture um, category, uh, you have to will have to fulfil at least two out of four various different categories, which I've not not got the details in front of me, but basically I have them actually. Oh, you've got them, okay? Yeah. So the four categories are um, first one on screen representation, themes, and narratives. That's one category. Okay. The second category is creative leadership and project team. Uh, third is industry access and opportunities. And the fourth is audience development. So this is all about getting minorities into film. Film, in the film industry, yeah. Um, here's what I think about the decision. Mm-hmm. I think this is well-meaning um, and I applaud the intent, but I think it's pretty crazy uh, in that we're going to get to a position potentially where there's everyone knows what the best film is and it's not able to win i think that's very strange i don't i, I think the, the Oscars, that happen though well i'm looking back i'm thinking about a few films i mean obviously times are changing excellently but uh, you look back through films over the last few years that have won you think actually would i don't know the departed for example would that yep. be eligible uh, maybe it's got a female editor but I, I, I don't know the details of it but maybe not and i think if you get a situation like that the Oscars is supposed to just be saying what's the best one. It's not supposed to be shaping the film industry, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So that's my view. What's your view, Susan? Uh I always think diversity is a good thing. Uh, I yeah. I always quote when it comes to diversity, like this. Uh, I saw this interview with Okufina. Oh yeah. When she, you know, when they're asking her about, you know, what do you think about diversity, and then she answered like, you know, uh, you you only know it's a good thing once you have it. You know, mm. it's it's there. You know, um, it, it, it's it's a very obviously diversity is a big thing now. And yeah. It's always going to be a very uh, it could be a controversial subject. <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't be really. Um, and I do get the point where it comes from when you introduce quotas to things like this, um, where it you know when it when when things may not happen the way we want it to do and the best film isn't nominated for best picture either but all in all I think it is the move in the right direction um, yeah and I mean I absolutely agree that I, w- I want to see more diversity and when we get things like Parasites which, I, which I've seen the last few weeks now and is, is, oh, is, is nice. re- yeah really good really good and I absolutely applaud the, the outcome uh, that that's going to do I just, I, th- I just think so much weight is placed on the Oscars to be driving this which uh. so, I think, like when you had the whole Oscars so white controversy, I think the the issue wasn't the Oscars. The issue was the film industry. The, yes. the Oscars is just there to give you a gold star, and and yeah, maybe this will drive things in the right direction. But I think film studios, where else, should be doing this, not just to win a, a prize. <laughs> they should be doing this. But that's what studios are doing, right? That's how they make money, though. Like this, mm. the the whole industry is exactly that industry. You know, it's about big movie studios trying to make as much money as possible. That's yeah. why a lot of big franchises are doing very well, and that's why they are coming out more because the industry knows that they are the ones that bring bring the money in. Because as much as we like it or not, you know we can't get like indie films made very often. Same for the same reason because um, the studios just don't think they are yeah. contenders. And that's it. I think much more has been done. I mean, look at your your, your DCs and your Disney's and where else who are pushing. Uh, or not pushing them, they're, they're just making uh, things like uh, your Wonder Woman, if it ever comes out, uh, Captain <laughs> Marvel, Shang Chi. They're doing, they're they're putting diversity in films not because of 
the Oscars, they're just doing it because it's better stories, I suppose. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'm all on board with that. I, just, it, let's, I mean, let hope, let, I guess we can all hope that it won't be an issue because there won't be every, every film made will figure it out. Let's not just get white guys to make it. Uh, <laughs> so it won't be an issue anyway. But I think it's, if if we do end up with the best film of the year, just can't win it. I think that's, a, that's not the place we want to be. Well, well, we'll see when it happens. We'll find out in four years' time. When the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If the pandemic lasts as long, we'll still have the Oscars for the last four years. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> four when, years of films. When Wonder Woman 1984 wins the 2024 Best Picture, <laughs> uh, we can all be involved for that. Right, uh, I moved things around. I've changed the schedules, Ijan. I'm going to confuse Ooh. and scare all our listeners because um, this is what I sometimes do when we don't get to a category last time, or sorry, a segment. Yes. Um, so let's talk about The Great Ziegfeld. The Great Ziegfeld. So okay, this is our scroll down. Yeah, this is our segment, Look Back in Oscar, where we look back and we watch a film that won the Best Picture Oscar uh, and talk about it. And Zijan, have you scrolled as far as your Great Ziegfeld info? Yes, I did. <laughs> so this is a 1936 film directed by Robert Leonard. Um, it stars William Powell as the titular character, um, Louise Rayner as Anna Held, uh, and Marina Loy as Billy Burke. A lot of whom I discovered were actual real people. Mm. So I didn't know the Greek Ziegfeld actually existed until my Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I, I never heard of it. No. So, yeah, it won the Best Picture, Best Actress for Louise Rayner, and in those days, there was Best Dance Direction. So you know, oh, yeah. As well. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, the great, that, that's basically my introduction. Um, I can start by saying that this film was exceedingly long. It's a long one. It's a long one. It's um, just shy of three hours. Uh, I watched it in two sittings. I don't know how you seem to spread it out quite quite a lot. I spread it out as well. Yeah, it wasn't something that I can watch through in one sitting. Um, yeah, so it's very long. And um, I think at the time Ziegfeld was very famous. Obviously, uh, not so much now. Um, and indeed, I think he had passed away. But various people else in the film, including his at least his second wife, um, were still alive and still fairly well known. Uh, which which is interesting. I think, yeah, I think he maybe died maybe two or three years before the film came out. Yeah, uh, this is the kind of the, the golden age of Hollywood, and and um, and the money that was spent on this film at the time. Yes, astronomical. It astronomical. was. I, I've just I was just googling something recently, like the the song in the middle where mm. there was the towering rotating kind of thing. The, the wedding cake. Yeah, uh, yeah, thing yeah. it cost two hundred twenty thousand dollars then to make, which is four million dollars in today's terms. Yeah, four million dollars just to make a cake song. Speaking of cake song, so for those of you who haven't seen it, which I'm guessing is probably most of you, um, it's all the great. I think I described him before we did this as the um, uh, kind of the the greatest showman of his day, which is not quite not accurate, really. Really, but um, he's, he's he was a song and dance guy rather than a. Victorian freak show kind of guy, but um, but yeah, putting on these these songs and it had this big song and dance thing in the middle. But um, I I love the way it's shot actually because it's kind of just it's it's a rotating stage and as you say it goes up the wedding cake tier structure it just keeps going and going and going. I'm not quite sure how they spent quite that much money on it, but yeah, it, it was fun at the beginning and then it got very tiresome. Okay. <laughs> I did, I did, I found it like the song wasn't that memorable to begin with. So after halfway up the cake, I just got bored. Yeah. I have to say, in in I liked this film, I did, um, but the bits I found least interesting were the big song and dance numbers that is clearly where all the money was spent. Yes. Um, because yeah, so three hours, and I think I the only the only bits I really drifted away from it were, you know, it's like oh, now we're going to do a ten minute song, 
And then, okay, I'm more interested in the characters. There's the character of Ziegfeld and his his competitor, whose name escapes me, but he's kind of in the same business, but they have their ups and downs and, and his various love interests and what have you. That's, that's, I think that's because, like, it's also a good way of how musicals change, though. Like, hmm. back in nowadays, musicals, the songs and dances lend itself to the narrative of the film. You know, it lends itself to the plot. Whereas back then, it's just showing a show. I don't think any of the musicals or any of the songs will actually, you know, add anything to the plot whatsoever. Just that their performance really. Yeah, and I say it's it's not. I mean, it's a musical, but not. It, I'm not sure how to describe. It, but yeah, as you say, it's all it's showing musical as opposed to the characters just starting to sing in the middle of a scene or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is very much. Now I'm going to stop the story for you to see this song. Um, uh, it's not looked back on so I'm getting this from Wikipedia but it's, it's not looked back on with the same uh, love that people had at the time I think it's seen as a bit of a kind of a almost embarrassment of of, of uh, golden age of Hollywood opulence and uh, over expense uh, that said I, I, I said I, I had a good time with it I enjoyed it I, I didn't care for it as much no. as you did like I found the main character Zach felt not a very likeable person he is quite manipulative to both the women he, yes, he yeah, loves yeah. And, and like even the employees he hires, like the costume maker, for example. The way he treats people just makes him very unlikable. So personally, he, okay. So I, I, yeah. I think that would yeah that would have a big effect on how you enjoy the film because I, he's definitely unscrupulous. But I kind of like that about him. And to go back to the Greatest Showman, which I say this wasn't as much like as I thought it might be before I watched it, but um, it's like P.T. Barnum. It's a pretty um, unscrupulous guy. He's having to lie and cheat and swindle and whatever yes. else. Um, and yeah, he's very lovable. And I, I found Ziegfeld to be more like that person. I, I still like, even though he did treat his wives. Was he married to both of them? Anyway, he treated both of them fairly um, Yeah, fairly very badly. poorly. Yeah. Um, did you think, like I did, um, that Louise Rayner, uh, mm-hmm. Oscar winner, looked just like Meryl Streep? Was that just... Huh. She, it looked a lot like her, but a lot of her mannerisms, like particularly when she kind of um, when she'd move her head and look up and look up at the same time, I just thought it's just like Meryl, to the extent that I actually looked her up to see if she was related to Meryl Streep, <laughs> um, which I can confirm she's not. No, um, that, that, no? that definitely didn't cross my mind. Well, next time you watch it, season, <laughs> can, uh, can look up that. Did Did you know this was the first Oscar ceremony where um, best supporting actor and best supporting actress awards were given? Oh wow! And yet somehow they gave Louise Rayner best actress, despite the fact she was clearly a supporting actress. <laughs> uh, honestly, the distinction between actress and supporting actress can be quite blurred. Yeah. As you you you've made a comment about a favorite before as well. I have, which is more yeah. recent. Yeah, it's true. I guess they were still figuring it out because it was the first time um, they'd done it. Uh, so I, I guess um, it sounds like you're probably not recommending this one to our, our yeah, listeners. Yeah, no, not not a fan. Like I. I there are much better musical films out there than yeah. Oscar winning ones which I do prefer over this I would say yes no I, I would um, I say I, I had a fun time with it, but I can't honestly say to people go and watch this three hour film um, mm. unless you just want a, a kind of a window into the uh, the golden age of Hollywood and, uh, and see what America's uh, spent apparently there are um, a couple of sequels which um, uh, Zieg, yes. Siegfried Girl uh, Siegfeld Girl rather um, starring Jimmy Stewart so I might check that one out Fan of Jimmy cool. Stewart. Um, uh, right, let's move on then to our segment to see or not to Z, where we talk about films we've recently seen and tell you the listener whether you should see or not Z them. Zijan, have you been watching films? Yes, I've watched uh, a 
a film on Netflix called Project Power. Oh, uh, yes. That's the one starring Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Dominic Fishback. Um, it's basically a new take of the whole superhero premise, um, which basically you, you eat a pill, which gives you superpowers for five minutes, but you have no idea what that power is, and it could be quite deadly. But it's the pills. same thing every time for each person, right? So it, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same power for each time for each person, but you don't know what power it is at the beginning anyway when you get that. Um, so this pill is treated like a drug um, because so there are drug dealers who deal this uh, this pill to who, who sells these pills mm. to, to people and for a lot of money. And I thought that the premise was a pretty good one because uh, yeah. it's a different take on the whole super, superhero thing. Uh, you know, it feels but, quite like unbreak, not unbreakable, um, limitless. Oh, I would not say limitless. It could okay. be like limitless. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, limitless, I don't think it was quite so time time limited, I guess. But yeah, taking a pill to get a superpower. Hmm. I, I think the only issue is that like it doesn't go... like It started off with a good premise, but it doesn't stay with the premise and it just became a good guy versus bad guy fight. Which I, I guess it would go into that because it's a superhero film ultimately and then you'll see hmm. people with powers in the end but you know I wish they could you know done something different okay. some, with this film because especially it's on Netflix you know you could do I'm pretty sure they get a lot more independence and leeway on the yeah, direction of this film so I, I don't know if sure is, is this one was it always a Netflix film or was it only ones that got made somewhere else and then Netflix oh, bought it that, that is a very good question but uh, I have no idea no fine I, no I, I saw the trailer and, I, and it didn't look very good to me so I didn't bother but mm. would you? do you think I should watch it uh, uh, it's a tough one like it's a good premise but then I didn't particularly care about the end that mm. much like the second half isn't that that great for okay. example in my opinion so take it take it from that <laughs> basically okay. yeah. I'll probably give it a miss uh, I watched a film called Kes uh, which I'll be honest I always called Kes until I saw it and, and realised they were just calling it as Kes um, which is probably ooh, maybe late 60s early 70s um, which my father has described as one of the all-time great films um, I, I, I knew he was a fan it's about a boy who has a pet kestrel effectively or yeah he, he's oh. so he's um he's a kid in a kind of a fairly uh or very working class uh, northern town I think I think it's supposed to Yorkshire well, I think it is Yorkshire uh he or oh, maybe Lancashire mm, I need to get that right let's say yeah they went mad <laughs> It's up north somewhere. One of those. It's one of those. Yeah. Anyhow, he, uh, his, his brother bullies him uh, and he's got yeah, a tough life at school and his mum's not great. And it, it's a tough old life for, for this young kid. Um, and he kind of he bonds with this uh, this kestrel that he sees flying around and he kind of trains it and, and what have you. And you see this, you see his... Um, really tough upbringing and really tough life kind of be mellowed and softened by by having this uh, bird yeah. um, uh, it's directed by uh, Ken Loach uh, the, the lead, lead character the lead actor rather is played by someone called David Bradley so I looked him up to see if he was the same David Bradley who uh, was in Harry Potter and Doctor Who and stuff and it's it's not it's a different guy so oh. there you go uh, yeah it's a very moving film the, the only thing about it that I think Zijan might put you off uh, amongst <laughs> other um, non-native English speakers is that yes. they have quite strong accents. Um, How strong is this? Um, so 
well, it's not just the accent, it's also the dialect. So you really got to focus hard to figure out what they're saying. And then you have to kind of work out what it means as well. Um, weirdly, actually, the version I watched and the version I think is most readily available has got some of it dubbed over using slightly less dialect. <laughs> um, I think aimed at the American market, but it didn't really work. Um, it's, uh, yeah, York, I've just looked it up. Here's Yorkshire. My apologies to everyone from around there um, for getting all that wrong. Uh, but yes, it's a, it's a moving film. It's a great film. Um, it reminded me actually of Free Willy, about huh. the, you know, which I'm sure you have seen. Yes. Seen, yes. Um, so in the same, like it's a kid who who doesn't feel loved and doesn't feel appreciated and has a tough life and then bonds with a with it looking an after animal. an animal. So I mean, Free Willy is the kind of Disney child friendly version of this. I think. Mm-hmm. But, um, I would say yeah, check it out, Kess. Oh, cool. Um, and it, you, but, but, but you might need the subtitles. <laughs> That's fine. I, I didn't know Yorkshire's, uh, yeah, they have such a strong accent. Um, yeah, they can do. I say there's quite a lot of Yorkshire dialect as well, so uh, words won't necessarily mean anything to you. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. And you saw Parasite, right? And I saw Parasite. That was, that was a while ago, actually. Um, yeah, I, I, came I, out on this podcast, um, I think I actually talked about it in my podcast with Rob. I could uh, be wrong, but uh, just for your benefit, Zijan, because I know you don't listen to the episodes you're not in, um, <laughs> I will be very brief when I say uh, it was really good. Uh, I watched it in two sittings, which was a mistake because then um, you should watch it all in one go. Yes, uh, I, it wasn't deliberate. It was I had somewhere else I had to go. I, I mistimed things. Um, the only thing I think I had against, or not against it, the, the only slight qualm was I, I felt it kind of built tension and then dropped away and then built it again, like. But I don't know how much is that because I didn't watch it all in one go and whether that would ah. not have been um, so clear. So, yeah, no, um, I, I'm still in two minds whether I preferred 1917 or preferred that one. They're both really good. Um, I'm impressed, though. You actually liked a uh, film with subtitles. There you go. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's um, man of the world I am. <laughs> it's just one film, Colin. Okay, I'll tell back at I've watched many, many. I've seen Amelie. I've seen The Passion of the Christ. That's three right there. Uh, um, I had to put the subtitles on for The Deer Hunter because I couldn't understand what any, anyone was saying. <laughs> so, does that count? No. No? Fine. Um, let's talk, Zijan, about The New Mutants. Oh, it's it's out. It's out. It's out. It's yeah, catch it while it still is. I don't think it's going to be out for long. No. Um, it's, it's supposed to be out for two years now, and now it's going to be out. <laughs> Uh, uh, so the new mutants is, is well, actually, I, you, you can do the intro bit. Uh, new mutants is directed by Josh Boone. It stars uh, Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones fame, Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things fame, Anna Taylor Joy from Emma yes. fame, <laughs> um, Alice Braga, Blue Hunt, and Henry Zaga, who I did not know of before this film. No, I, th- um, I thought that I. I thought I did recognize one of them, but I looked up and I didn't. So, uh, yeah. So I know this is Blue Hunt's uh, first film. She plays Danny Moonstar. So this is an X-Men film for those who couldn't figure out from the title The New mm. Mutants. The New Mutants back in X-Men history was an offshoot of the original X-Men team. Uh, I'm just giving some comic background now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so uh, everyone knows the, the main five X-Men team, which are basically... Um, Cyclops, uh, Jean Grey, Beast, Iceman, and Angel. So, back when X Men started, these were the first it's five Wol- X Men. Not Wolverine. No, Wolverine came later than that. When you say everyone knows, 
Well, when I say everyone knows, I say only I know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some people know. No, yeah. the these the first original five X Men were those five that I've mentioned before. What about um, Jean Grey? Recruited by Professor X. Jean Grey was in it. Yeah. Cool. What about yeah. um, uh, Toad? What about Toad? I just <laughs> named the five. <laughs> what about Storm? Yeah, Storm, Wolverine. They all came much later. Fine. Fine. Um, as you can. You you can probably tell though the first five were pretty much American, and white. Mm. You know they were they were as diverse as you can imagine. <laughs> they, would, they wouldn't be winning a best picture Oscar. No, <laughs> definitely not. That's why when they introduced Storm, who is uh, African, obviously from Africa, and yes. Wolverine, who's from Canada. Of you know they introduced a lot more diversity into Nightcrawler. He's German. Yeah, to to the mm. film, uh, to to the comic book series, really. Um, because they, the they, original lineup of five was really white and very American. Are there any um, uh, British X Men? There were, like, Psylocke is British. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. There's some. It's There's Olivia Munn, right? Olivia Munn, yes. She's not British. No. I'm, out, I'm outraged. <laughs> slightly, belated, um, slightly belatedly, I'm outraged. So, the, so in the original run of X Men, in, in the end, the original five were grew, grew up. Hmm. You know, they, they become like adults now. And then they wanted to introduce a new bunch of teenage X-Men. And that's where the new mutants came about. Okay. Yeah, so, and this is a more, definitely a more diverse cast. Um, so uh, the five here, so Maisie Williams play, uh, I can't, I always pronounce it as Ran. It's Ran. R-A-H-N-E. Yeah, I wrote this down. I, I try to remember what they said in the film. I don't, I, Ron? Ron? Ron. Ron Sinclair. So she's Irish. Um, hmm. And... She can turn into a wolf. Spoiler alert. Uh, Anna Taylor-Joy um, plays Ileana Rasputin, who, um, for spoiler alert, she's actually Colossus's sister mm. in the comic books. And apparently um, in, a, in one of the earlier drafts of the script, they were going to do that, but they, uh, they seem to have they dropped changed that. it. Yeah. And uh, she's Russian. Yep. Ileana. Uh, Imagine you're a comic book writer and it's like, can you come up with a Russian name? It's like, I don't know. Ileana Rasputin. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly that's, that. That's, I mean, that's like, oh, come up with a, a French name. I, was like, I know Jean Napoleon. <laughs> that do. <dude. laughs> uh, you have Charlie Heaton who plays um, Cannonball, um, whose power is to basically pros- propel himself in a very uh, fast manner mm. and destructive manner. I can't remember what his main, his real name is again, but he's a Southern American. Yep. Uh, you have Blue Han who plays Danny Moonstar who is a Native American uh, whose power in this film uh, she doesn't know what her power is yet uh, and that's I think that starts the whole premise of it really uh, there's a lot of sirens coming out my there's film, a lot right? of sirens happening <laughs> yeah some bad things are happening around my area wow someone yeah. a, a group of seven people have been seen <laughs> and then you have Henry Zaga who I think he's Brazilian in the film? Yes, yes. And he plays uh, Sunspot, um, who I think appeared in one of the X-Men films as well. Oh, really? In a later part. Uh, it's he probably in X-Men be, 3 where they were throwing all kinds of X-Men at mutants. Uh, I think in Days of Future Past, actually. He was oh, really? one of the older okay. mutants then, yeah. In the future. One of the mutants in the future. Oh, uh, but right. he, he okay. died quite quick. He, he's one of those who died as well. Right, uh, right, as you right. mentioned, that the character. But he can turn really hot <laughs> uh, yes he can yes he can and, and there was some controversy because although the character is Brazilian I think he has a the, the comic book character has a darker skin than this yes uh, 
actor, but the, the director said it was more important. He wanted a Brazilian uh, actor. Um, yeah, I mean, first, first things first. After, we've been mocking this for quite a while. This one, um, yes. And then the kind of the trailer came out. I think okay, maybe maybe it's right. Um, I thought this was okay. Me too. I don't think it wasn't. I I, I thought it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. And I don't think this is the worst X Men film ever. Absolutely I can, not. I can Absolutely put not. it up above a lot of X Men films. Actually, Wolverine Origins is awful. Yeah. yeah. Apocalypse. Yeah. Ugh. And Dark yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. Ugh. I think this this film is actually better than the this is comfortably better than, than those. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not it's not great. I'm not saying everyone rushed to see it. And I, I, I would say you don't need to go to the cinema, but when it comes on streaming, if you like this kind of thing, you'll enjoy it. Um, I don't think I don't, it's, it's taken a bit of a pounding in the in the re- reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is I think that's harsh. I, I think this is a, a fun time isn't isn't the right description because it's a it is quite horry, but uh, it's it's well put together. It's got a good cast for the most part. Yeah, I think the the cast is pretty good actually. Like the the, the actors themselves are actually pretty decent. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I like the three girls a lot. Like well, Anna Taylor Joy, Maisie Williams, and Blue Hunt. I thought all three okay. were great. Yeah. So let's talk about that because because um, I had a slight different. I, I thought Blue Hunt was pretty bad. Um, really? Yeah, I, I thought she was the weak link here. I mean, not not terrible, but I thought you could, as you say, as her first film, and I think you could definitely tell she was an inexperienced actor. I thought I thought at times, um, yeah, that, that that showed through. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, when you're trying to cast a 16 year old female Native American, your your casting pool is quite small. Uh, and so I can understand why they they didn't have a they didn't have a kind of an Oscar winner mm. contender. So I, I mean, not not dis- disturbingly bad, but I thought yeah, she was the weak link for me. But you, you, you didn't find that? No, 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 I didn't find that. I thought like, I mean, I, I guess it helps that her character was the newbie among the five as well. <laughs> so she could just be like you know, the naive, yeah, uh, kind of wide eyed. What's going on? Wide eyed, yeah, um, the one that introduces us to everyone. Uh, but I, I love Anya Taylor-Joy. I thought she was excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of her. As we've talked about Emma earlier, I thought she was fantastic in Emma. Um, uh, Split, she was good. And she, she's she's quite... Um, she's got a lot going on at the moment. She's got this uh, Edgar Wright film coming out. Well, yes. it's supposed to be this year. I think it's going to be next year uh, now. Yeah, no, it's, it's a big big time for Anya Taylor-Joy. I, I liked uh, her performance. I thought the the character she plays, so you say, Eliana... To begin with, she's this kind of like mean girl, really horrible to um to, to Danny. Yeah. Um, I if yeah that that to me was again the weak part of the script. I think was making her quite so. Uh, I'm going to be mean to you all the time, and then so. Um, I say we 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 will do non-spoilers and spoilers, I guess, but it's it's fairly predictable that. Um, she will melt a little, and and they'll become friends. I mean, if you don't see that coming, then you've never seen the film <laughs> before. Um, I felt that could have been made a little bit less predictable. But yeah, I agree. Maisie Williams was great. Um, I've not always been blown away by her when I've seen her, so I thought she, I thought she was really good in this. Yeah, me neither. I've seen bits of Game of Thrones. I was never impressed by her performance, mm. but she she's uh, she was really good in this. Uh, I think what helped in this film as well is that they have a very small cast. Yep. Yep. Like, yep. you know they have a cast of six really ultimately and that gave a lot of breathing room for the characters to actually grow and you get to know these characters more whereas in a lot of the X-Men films the cast gets so bloated and even then they don't focus on mm. they, they tend to focus on just one person like Wolverine 
gets all the attention, yes, yeah. and everything, everyone else gets left behind. I, in, in this film, you can argue that obviously some of the characters do not get as much development as others, but they obviously get more development than Cyclops did. In the yeah, entire yeah, team film for, franchise. I mean, is, is very poorly served, uh, and Storm, I think, as well, um, mm. in in the X Men films. But yeah, no, I think you're you're right. I, I, the if there was a, if there's anyone who didn't get much development, I thought it was Sunspot. Yes. Um, who? And this this brings me. So I just I I, th- I say I don't think this is bad, but I do have a few issues with it. I'm, I'm one of them was this kind of um, the plot had all these kind of. Um, was it re, I guess reveals secrets that like um, they're like oh what's going on here and then it's like, um, which didn't feel necessary so one of those was oh Sunspot won't tell us what his mutation is or they didn't call him Sunspot like, whatever his name was yep. so he won't tell us and oh he's got this great fear but he won't tell us what it is and they think well, what what was the point of hiding that it's, it's not a very exciting reveal when you can tell it it's not a big deal uh, Bobby is the character's name um, and then things like yeah Ron doesn't say what she transforms into and then he's like well okay well i'm not sure what the big deal was about that yeah because everyone knows that they're mutants anyway so <laughs> we know they have powers yeah and and even the way it plays out is kind of so i mean so ron just say transforms into a wolf it's even then it's kind of only implicit rather than explicit for most of them you kind of see a wolf looking knowingly and then you see her and you think okay well that's clearly her but, <laughs> but they don't quite reveal it until later on so I thought that was a bit, a bit weird, but yeah, no, I, I, I think also that the fact that yeah, it, it focuses on the characters rather than big action set pieces and, and what have you, is good and is probably driven by the budget as much as anything else. So this is not a big budget film. No, definitely not. You can tell. You can definitely mm. tell. Um, yeah, but I, I did like the character development a bit. Uh, one thing I have to say is that the. The trailers missold this film as a horror film or a more horror version of the X-Men film, which is definitely not true, I don't think. Well, that's an interesting question. So, I was going to ask, actually. So, would you call, so you wouldn't call this a horror film? I wouldn't call this a horror film. Like, there was no point in this film where I felt like, oh, that's very scary. <laughs> I've seen horror films before and that, this doesn't even come close to being terrifying. So so you and I don't do horror. It's, it's been well um, documented. Documented. <laughs> yeah, we won't be watching Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox in Scream 5. Um, so I, I was a little bit worried about seeing this, to be honest, because it, it was marketed as a horror film. I think it is horror. Um, or maybe action horror. I don't know. So this, this is spoilers now, I guess. But um, the... What's it called? The, the the smiley men, the smiley faces. Yeah, uh, they were probably scary. I thought. So it's not jump scare horror really, and I guess it probably isn't full on horror. But there's certainly more horror elements to it than any other X Men film. Yeah, probably, well, probably. I'm trying to think of any if I've ever seen a superhero film that was as horror as this. Other than, I thought okay. Aquaman. There were bits which was quite terrifying. Um, really? Only because yeah, uh, the part when he went into the deep. Oh, yeah. when all the creatures came out I thought I, I really did like that bit but it's that's because it's directed by James Wan though so well that's it and like Sam Raimi in the Spider-Man trailer that clearly wasn't horror but he, he's a horror director so he brought kind of some horror inspired bits into it um, but to me I think yeah, the, it, it wasn't scary for the most part but there were things like the demon priest um, coming after Maisie Williams right. Um, and yeah, these these smiley face men coming after uh, Anya Taylor Joy, 
made it scary enough, I thought. Um, Fair enough. And it, and bloodier than a lot of films. Um, blood, it's a lot bloodier than Emma, for example. No, oh. that's... <laughs> well, if you, if you, I think a lot of films are bloodier than Emma, aren't they? Well, I said that. Are. There was that nosebleed in Emma, so I guess... Um, <laughs> There was more blood than you usually get in uh, Austin. Uh, the the bit that wasn't scary, and this is full on spoilers now. So the the um, the demon bear, I think, was supposed to be the big antagonist of the film, which I didn't like. It became a giant CGI fight. Yeah, and it wasn't scary at all. No. It was. I mean, it was a. It, it's a bear. It's a bear. A purple, a purple the, bear. But the revenant, which was quite scary. Actually. Yeah, so what but what I did quite like about this is that it wasn't a classic superhero supervillain matchup. It, to the extent that there was a villain, it was what's her name, the Doctor, Doctor Reyes. Mm-hmm. But even she so didn't feel very villainous. It was more no. kind of um, fighting against uh, these these demon creatures that came out of uh, Danny's imagination oh. or of her power. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, and I, I like the way. I mean, it's fairly classic, but I like the way they're kind of banding together to. To fight against it's a classic X Men story, I suppose. I do like there's a big giant CGI bear, but I, I do get your point that I like it, it's different. It's different from any other X Men film, which hmm. which is good for it because we've had many X Men films already. We have, and, and it's yeah, it's a shame that it hasn't done well. And, and so I'd, I'd watch a sequel to this, I think, but it's not going to happen. Well, it's meant to be a trilogy, right? So Doctor Cecilia Reyes is meant to, to work. <laughs> yeah, well, they're all trilogies, yeah. But it's meant to work for Essex, which I think was brought up before in one of the old X-Men films, which is a tie to Mr. Sinister. Yeah, in the uh, in the post-credits scene of Apocalypse, yes, there's the uh, a hint of the Essex Corporation, uh, and this, I guess, is the payoff to that. If anyone can yeah. remember that. The- so the the whole plot twist of this film was that you know initially the five were thinking that they were training up to become x-men but apparently not they were training up to become killers it's killers um it's a bit like in uh, in logan when you had those scenes of the place that um x23 yes where, where she was being experimented on and what have you it, it looked oh, a lot like that kind of facility yeah. it was although i didn't think they went about the right way i mean like it's not like they're training them to use their powers all they did was one flew over a cuckoo nest and sit around in a circle and discuss their... <laughs> it, it did feel very one flew the cuckoo nest, didn't it? And I know we've both watched that recently, but uh, it, did, it did feel very inspired by that. Like, why leave one woman whose power isn't really that powerful anyway Yeah. <laughs> to, to, Just... to, con- to try and defeat, to try and handle five very, very, clearly very powerful mutants themselves? Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the general idea seemed to be Make sure that they're not going to go insane, and then we'll send them off to become weapons. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and the, the rules of this universe weren't always brilliantly defined. Um, no, definitely not. But there you go. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy plays a character called Magic. It turns out, yes, uh, which I'd never heard of her. Uh, there's just this great line where they're like, "Be careful of the bear; it's magic," and she says, "Ah, so am I," um, which might mean something to people who knew her character was called Magic, but. I thought it was a fun line, but the, the true import of it. I should say she has a puppet. She has a, which, which was a um, dragon called Lockheed. Yes, turns into a dragony parrot. Fun, uh, fun trivia. Oh yes, that that dragon actually belongs to Kitty Pride in the comics. Yeah, uh, he's a he's an alien. He's and magic an alien just dragon. nicked it. It's an alien dragon. Well, magic just nicked it in this film for this film. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one thing that Kitty Pride can fight with because. Obviously, 
Magic doesn't really need the dragon to help her. She's clearly so powerful. That's true. She can teleport anywhere. She can summon the sword. She can jump about. Like, honestly, there was a point when the doctor was locking her up in her room and she was crying and screaming, don't lock me up. I was like, you can just teleport yourself out of their room. Yeah, because she teleported quite early on in the film and then they just didn't do it for about an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can just leave the room yourself. Just just, yeah. just go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just I, disappear. I'd be honest, I'd forgotten she could do it until uh, she did it again quite late on. Yeah. Why does Kitty Pride need a dragon for well, her power is not really offensive to Kitty Pride. That's the thing. Her power because she gets she can go through walls. She can go through ob- or walls and objects. Send yeah. Wolverine back in time, um, depending on yeah. what, depending, what, you, yeah, what you need her to be able to do. Yeah. Uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I didn't. So this demon bear is is coming at them, and they're all tried one by one to defeat it, and and without success. And I mean, some of them you think, well, what, what success did you really think you were going to have when your ability is to turn into a wolf? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that bear's like a hundred times your size. You can scratch the bear. But then, like Danny, we need you to come back so you can control it. It's like, what what made you think she could control it? She's not been able to control any other stuff. Nope. But that's there true. you go. She could. So it is in most X-Men or most, a lot of these things kind of things about how they come together as a team, which this is in the end. But at that point, it's just she's the only one who can save it. She needs to do it, which I thought was a mixed messages there. Mm. Yeah, well. I also felt the wider world wasn't as fleshed out as it could have been, all, all very self-contained. But I suppose it has to be in that kind of... It works for this film. Like, I mean, it's a trilogy, right? It's a trilogy. <laughs> That's where the second film comes in. We're getting <laughs> more. Film. We're getting more. Uh, dear. So, but yes, I think um, wait a few years till it comes out on streaming and then watch it. I, I think it's worth a watch, though. I think it's definitely yeah. worth a watch. Yeah, well done. Well done, then. What I thought was interesting was that they were talked about doing reshoots for it. Um, and in fact, we had all these things about how the... Do you remember this? They're like, some massive reshoots. They're going to add a whole new character and stuff. And then turns out they didn't do any reshoots at all. Not even, and they talk about things and like just pickups that any film would do, but all the actors were too old, <laughs> so it's like they don't look like them anymore, which I thought was quite fun. Oh, oh well, uh, that's the new mutants. We've been back to the cinema, aren't we brave? Um, and uh, what I didn't ask you, let's do it now because why not? Uh, is um, we've got we've got an actor factor next uh, next time, Julian. Yes, and I believe you're choosing the actor factor for our actor factor. Yes, I am. I'm choosing Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. So for those of you who are new, uh, Actor Factor is the segment where we talk about the films of particular actor and uh, Jodie Foster is the next one. So yeah. tune in in two weeks' time for that. Um, so we move on to our final segment, Zijan. Uh, it is a quiz on the films of Alejandro Inarritu. Is that your... I think that's much better than our first I think I'm getting, I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> my friend Rick, who I don't think listens to this, but he, he always complains uh, his... He works for PwC, and I think they they used to or sometimes have or whatever else do a, a Friday morning quiz, but just on uh-huh. um, on like Skype, an internal messenger thing. Okay, and uh, and he was, he reckons people cheat on this, and he's like one of the answers was Alejandro González Inaritu, and it, the person writing it had all the right accents and dots and stuff. And it was like <laughs> clearly they have they've just cut and pasted that. From yeah, it's definitely yeah. There's no way. Because there's no a lot way. of um, Diacritics, I believe they're called. Yeah, I, I can't even do them. So, yeah. No, I've not bothered. Uh, I believe we are level for the year. We are. So this is this is exciting. This is tense. Um, okay, I'll start. Uh, which film is Alejandro, I- Alejandro Inuritu's longest film? At two hours and 36 minutes. Ooh. Uh, I think that's probably The Revenant. It is The Revenant. Hmm. 
Um, which animals feature prominently in Amores Peros? Well, I definitely didn't look up the films that I thought you would ask me about. Okay. <laughs> what animals? I'm going to go with monkeys. Uh, it, if you knew any Spanish, which I don't, uh, you'll know that peros means dog. It's dogs. Ah, I didn't know that. It's quite different from French. I thought they shared the same Latin roots. Ah. Uh, it says like, but there you go. <laughs> uh, question two. What name is given to the trio of Inuritu films, Amores Peros, 21 Grams and Babel, where he narrates multiple stories pivoting around an existential moment? It's a death trilogy. There is the Death Trilogy. Uh, it was very interesting for me to find out about that. Yeah, I didn't know. I'd, I'd heard of all those... No, I'd, I'd heard of two of those films, but I didn't know those. Um, what is the first name of Michael Keaton's character in Birdman? It's Regan, isn't it? Uh, go on then. Regan, yeah. Yay. <laughs> how is it? How, how did I pronounce it differently from where you pronounce maybe, it? Maybe you didn't. <laughs> what? Regan. Regan? I thought you said Regan. Yeah, Regan. Regan, Regan. What's the difference? <laughs> Yours sounds more like um, uh, one of the one of the daughters of King Lear. Is a Regan, isn't it? What? It sounds the same to me. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, have a point. Good work. Question three: The title of the film Twenty One Grams" is based on a flawed experiment in nineteen oh seven, trying to measure the weight of what? The soul. Yes. Uh, how many Oscar nominations did The Revenant get? Which was two more than any other film of that year's Oscars. Ah, oh, jeez. I saw this and I can't remember. I think it's like 14. Is it 14? Oh, it's 12. Ah, dang it. Um, question four. Which actor played the lead role in the film Beautiful, which earned him a Best Actor nomination? Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. I think you've won this already. Four, uh, I think I might have done. Uh, but you've got the next two. Um, Amoris Peros, 21 Grams, and which other film make up Inaritu's Death Trilogy? That's Babel. It is Babel. Uh, question five: The Revenant is based in part by a 2002 novel of the same name by which author? Uh, I looked this up and I don't need it, but I, it's some. Uh, is it? It's Henry Truce, some of that. No, that's the name of the. Well, H- Henry Glass, isn't it? The actual person? No, I don't know. No, I go. There's Hugh Glass. Anyway, it's is Michael it? Punk. No, 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 fine, okay. Um, and finally, uh, what does twenty-one grams refer to in the title of that film? The weight of a soul. The weight of a soul. So it's very close to the end, but it's a 4-3 victory for me, putting me ahead for the year. And next time, this is partly why I put in that story about Godfather 3. It's just so that I've got a reason to say uh, our quiz next time is on the films of Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> I don't think I've seen any of his films. Fine, I've, I've, I've only seen a couple. I've uh, seen, seen a few. Maybe three. Time to do some research, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, next what, time. What's our main topic for next time, Susan? I don't. I can't remember what the what, what the full name of the film is, but it's Bill and Ted face the music. Ah, yes, that's the name. It's uh, hopefully, hopefully, will be coming out uh, before we next uh, meet. Uh, if not, we, we we have this backup plan of doing a recasting of the X Men, don't we? Yes. So we if, do. if if whatever film we plan to do doesn't come out, that's our backup plan, and uh, we will see you then. Bye. <laughs>